We've been talking about prayer and the fact that your prayer life matters, and we've been looking at it through the lens of the question the disciples that were closest to Jesus, those that were walking with Jesus, were looking at what they asked Jesus. They wanted to know something from him and wanted to learn something from him. The thing they asked was, teach us how to pray. They could have asked so many different things. They could have asked for so much that they witnessed Jesus do. But the secret sauce to them, we've been highlighting over the course of these weeks, was if they could figure out how to pray like Jesus, they would live a life to the full. And so this is what Jesus replied to them. He said in verse 9 of Matthew 6, pray like this, our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. Rescue us from the evil one. We want to help your relationship with God. And the way we help you grow in a relationship with God is to equip you to pray, right? And so we, we just have totally been looking at these elements. Adoration, that's the worship, that's lifting up, that's adoring God, uh, our Father in heaven in this text. We've been teaching you how to petition, like request. This is, you know, give us today the food we need, Lord. We, we need this. We want healing, Lord. We're praying for provision. Help us in this way and that way and that. We've been talking about intercession, which is praying for somebody else. Praying for the, the needs that somebody else has. Taking up their, the weight of their need and just declaring victory over it and praying for that. Perseverance. You know, your will be done, Lord. Just, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to trust your will. And we looked at listening, which is ultimately in this passage, you know, man, give us the, the, the food we need, Lord. I'm listening. Teach me. Teach me where to go and how to get it. I'm yielding to you. I'm surrendering to you. Speak to me. And then today, warfare, spiritual warfare specifically. He says, rescue us from the evil one. So what's that all about? Our big idea today is we're in a battle of good versus evil that we don't necessarily see. The Bible is 100% clear that we are in a battle and that there's a spiritual battle for your life happening at all times. And you don't have to, to watch the news long to know that there's evil in the world. Uh, you, you turn it on in the first two minutes of any newscast, it's going to be very clear that evil happens, right? And uh, uh, evil beyond uh, what you see, though, exists. Something influencing the evil you witness. Something beyond the, uh, a mass murder or a war or um, something that degrades others. Something that is behind the crazed world we live in exists that is really affecting what is being done, and uh, it's a spiritual problem. And so it's really intriguing to look at. We're, we're all faced with the personal realities of evil, but yet maybe not aware of, of how to 
fight against it. We're tempted and attacked. And I think maybe more tempted in America than attacked. But globally, we're, there, we're all being tempted and attacked. And those are the tactics of the enemy, if you will. And, and how will we deal with this is the question. What is Jesus teaching us beyond just prayer here to not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one? And the disciples, again, asked this for a reason. They wanted to figure out. And they had witnessed him do some crazy stuff. They witnessed him take a man who everybody was afraid of in a city, living in a graveyard, naked, in chains. Or he had broken out of his chains. And, and he was demon-possessed with a legion. They watched Jesus cast demons out of this guy into a herd of pigs. And the herd of pigs drowned. And the guy was set free to everybody's astonishment. They watched Jesus do that. Why didn't they ask us? They didn't ask Jesus, teach us how to cast demons out of a naked dude in a graveyard. They said, teach us to pray, right? They knew if they could know the heart of God, they could overcome what was going on around them. So uh, I, I think of my life, and I've had some, uh, my share of spiritual encounters. So I was going to share a few today during the course of the talk just to, to encourage you of the power of God. Um, of the spiritual realm crossing into reality and affecting the world around us. And the first, like, that I'll share was when I was working as a salesperson at Underhill's Finewood Furniture. I was a salesperson in a furniture store. And uh, think of old cannery, but smaller. That's kind of the, you know, and, and so I was really good with wood and, and helping people. In that store in Totem Lake, where I worked, was... Uh, there was this latte stand out in front of the store. It was great for hospitality of customers when they showed up. And the, the, this gal owned the business. The barista owned the business. And uh, she would use the store to, like, push the important elements that needed to be secured of her cart through the double glass doors of our entrance and store them right there in our lobby. And she would disinfect and clean everything according to health code in the back of our store in the kitchen. And, and so we had a, a, a relationship with, you know, a, a great relationship with this business out in front of ours and often would have dialogue with her. Well, I was a naive young follower of Jesus and didn't really know much of scripture. I was learning it at the time and I didn't know much at all about spiritual warfare for sure. And uh, so I was uh, just dialoguing with her and I noticed because I was so new to the faith every once in a while I would have an opportunity to tell her what like was going on with my weekend and I'd say, well, church was awesome this morning. And I would recognize whenever I would talk about church, like something occurred in her world. Like just like her face, like her attitude would shift. It would get negative. I, I just figured she had a bad experience with church like I did before. And so, but it would turn in a way that was like, it was like, let's call it a twitch. Does that work? You know, it would be like, it would like affect her physically. And I just thought, oh. It's interesting. She's nervous about church, you know? And uh, so we just kind of, that would exist. And then it grew, like, worse. Uh, if I had mentioned it again later, it, all of a sudden, she would come back with, like, a really weird response. And, and it would be in more of a growly tone where she would, I'd say, yeah, church was great this morning. They were talking about this. And she would go, I'm going to start a coffee shop on Capitol Hill, and it's going to be called the devil's brew. And she would just stare at me, and I was like, that's... I figured she was messing with me, and it was creepy. And so I was just like, sweet. 
that, that'll be awesome, you know, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I'd go back to like, please give me a customer, let me sell uh, a piece of wood furniture. So I'd walk away. Well, it happened that one day she was having a really rough day. I don't know, remember what exactly happened now, but she was crying and, and taking, it was at the end of the day, she was, uh, we had a customer left that was, uh, that was uh, another salesperson was closing a sale with, and I was just waiting for them to wrap up so we could lock the doors and go home, and she was crying while washing her things and disinfecting in the back of the store, so I was just like, hey, is, is everything okay? And, and she's like, no not and she's crying and I don't know whether she lost somebody close to her or what was going on but I just I just offered I said hey you know if if there's ever a time where you just need prayer I'm more than available our church honestly our church probably was doing a series on prayer and I was probably just stepping out with the action point pray for somebody this week you know and, and so I was just like feeling bold you know and I'm like man if you if you ever need prayer I put my hand on her shoulder if you ever need prayer Wow, was I not expecting what came, right? All of a sudden, she looked at me as if like so longing for the hope and peace that would come through a moment of prayer. And then her face like scrunched up and got all gargoyle-ish looking and uh, like really creepy. And she like lunged at me. It was weird. I like, I'm sitting there like, I'd love to pray for you. And she looked at me and she's like about to cry. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah! And, and, and she literally went, ah! Like that. And I was like, what was that? She turned over all the furniture in between her and the door, which was really heavy furniture. This is a little gal. And when she got to the front door, she threw the doors open and broke them off the hinges. And we never saw her again. I was like, what just hit, right? I had no idea what that was, so I was like, what I then found out was she probably was demon-possessed. I didn't realize that. I didn't know, uh, but I experienced that. But what I did recognize was her face thing when she went, blah, at me. Let's rewind to when I was a brand-new Christian. I lived at Green Lake, Washington. I've told the story before, so just pretend you're hearing it for the first time if you're if you're not hearing it for the first time, but I was living in Green Lake, Washington in a little uh, rented room inside a house with a bunch of other people. And I was upstairs in the second floor. So my bedroom was like, you know, bed and like this right above my bed. It was, it was kind of a tight space and, uh, but it was affordable. And, uh, so I was really, really new in the faith and, um, was asleep and having a dream about walking through like old Seattle underground and these antique shops. And I just would love like little trinkety cool stuff, you know. And, and I'm walking through this antique shop and I get into this back corner room of it and sweet stuff in there. And there's this cool old mirror. And I remember going to the corner of this antique shop and in, in my dream. And I'm scraping the dust off of the mirror and I'm just like, whoa, this mirror is cool. And in the moment I said that, I realized my reflection didn't say, whoa, this mirror is cool. It just stared at me, which was creepy, right? And, uh, and that reflection kind of started coming out at me, and it was that gargoyle look thing, right? And, and it went, rah! 
And in my dream, I was thrown from the floor to the corner of the room. I'm like trapped in the corner and I can't breathe. And, then, and I'm, I just remember this force against me in my dream, right? And I'm like, I didn't remember anything. I'm such a new follower of Jesus. I didn't know anything but to something I was told as a little kid. My mom said, if, you're, if the enemy ever comes against you, you just invoke the name of Jesus. Now, I really didn't know what that meant, right? Invoke the name of Jesus. And so I thought, I'm going to try this, right? I, I'm going to try this name of Jesus bullet. You know, and I was like, in the name of Jesus, let me down in my dream. I'm saying this, in the name of Jesus, let me down. Nothing happened. And I'm dreaming still, you know, and I'm like, in the name of Jesus, let me down. And nothing happens. And it's like I'm getting crunched in the corner of this dream in this room. And I'm just going, final, through, through, through time. In the name of Jesus, I spoke with authority and expectancy, right, in my dream, as much as I could. Let me down. And all of a sudden, I was released in my dream. I wake up and I fall from the ceiling to my bed. My roommates come running into the room. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? We heard the commotion in here like you were having a fight. And all of a sudden you're screaming, in the name of Jesus, let me down. And I'm laying there. like <laughs> I have no idea what just happened, right? The spiritual realm is real. And, and you're sitting there, you might be thinking this, because I'm thinking this. That, you can't tell stories like that about the devil and demons and evil because it's glorifying the wrong thing. We can't pretend it's not real. Right? C.S. Lewis said this, there are two equal but opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. We have to be aware so that we could put on the armor God has given us to defend ourselves from the spiritual realm. And Ephesians 6 kind of spells that out. You could read the whole thing, but we're going to read verse 10 through 12, just a couple verses. It says this is what we should do. A final word, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. He says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Oh, good. This is not dependent on me, Right? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're not fighting flesh against flesh. That person that cuts you off and tells you you're number one with the wrong finger is not at fault-ish, right? They made a choice to give in to the wrong influence. But here's our first thought today. Pray for the power to stand against temptation. Pray for the power to stand against temptation. Because that's what we were just promised, right? That we can stand in his mighty power. And uh, how many of you have seen Wonder Woman, the re most recent release of Wonder Woman? Is anybody, spoiler alert, she's wonder, she's strong. There's this image from the movie, this, I'm not, this is all I'm going to give away. An open battlefield-like scene in the movie where she just is taken on heavy fire in, solo with her armor and her. And man, I, when I saw this movie, I was like, 
that is Ephesians 6. Like, that is a great picture of Ephesians 6. The enemy is going to come at us in all kinds of strategies. But if, man, if we are spending time in the presence of God and learning about God's love for us, the whole Ephesians 6 is about standing firm and having our armor on, then we can not only stand firm and not lose ground, but we can gain some, some ground in this world we live in, right? We have everything on our in our tools of our world to overcome any evil that would come against us. That's what we're promised in Scripture. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. And I just look at that and I go, you will be able. The promise here is you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil in Ephesians 6. Yes. It's not, you, you maybe, there's a chance, well, if you do, the, if you do this right, No. It just says you will be able to. It doesn't matter how naive you are the first time you encounter negative spiritual influence. God's power is at work, right? But how? How will we be able to overcome? Well, Mark 14, 37 and 38 give us a little hint. And I would say the answer is with open eyes and a willing spirit. It says this in verse 37... He returned and found the disciples asleep. Let's set the scene. Jesus is about to be taken into uh, custody and crucified. He's about to give his life for us. And he told the disciples one thing. He had taught them how to pray already, right? And he he told them, stay here and pray. I'm going to go over here and pray. And he told them to pray so that they wouldn't be tempted. And he walked over here to pray. Well, when he comes back, what are they doing? They're out. They're just sleeping. I don't know if they were sleeping in a prayer posture, because I've done that before, right? You're like, Lord, I just, you know, it's like, it could be, but, but he, this is, he returned and found the disciples asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, and the body is weak. That's my biblical support text for not being strong. Right there. I'm just kidding. Uh, not working out. I can't lift weights. I have to, my body has to be weak. It says it in the Bible. Just joking. It's out of context, guys. Um, we're much more likely to exercise or to experience the devil through our temptations than through attack right? The temptation to look at someone a little longer than we should, or open a website we should never be venturing onto, or allow ourselves to engage in a conversation from a relationship of the past that should never be engaged in, or the temptation to uh, be addicted to this, or lured into this, or that, right? Temptation is a strong lure of the enemy. But when attack does happen, and, and will in our life, Our spirit, if we're in Scripture regularly, if we've got a growing relationship with Jesus, we can be as confident as possible, but yet our body's still weak. It's easy to give in and think, well, I'm just going to avoid this because I don't want to go into this confrontation (laughs) or whatever it is. Maybe you're feeling called to 
become a missionary and God's awakening something in your life, but you realize the area where you're being called, people have died for their faith there. And you're going, yeah, not so much do I want to do that, right? You're like, my body is not willing. But I understand them being called, but my body is not willing. Um, I don't know if any of you like to get punched. There are people that box for a living, so they must enjoy it to some degree. But I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest, uh, uh, two older brothers, and, and I never liked it. I, I didn't enjoy it unless I got the last one in before we got caught, right? Uh, but the, and I never liked it when I was bullied either. I was bullied in middle school and high school and <coughs> for various reasons, uh, mostly because I was so good looking compared to everybody else, I'm sure. And, uh, and so they would, they, it had nothing to do in the sixth grade or seventh grade with having a perm and glasses. Why did my parents do that to me? But anyway, um, and I might have been a little heavier than, okay, moving on, that's not about me. Um, but it was, it, was, it was an interesting childhood, and I was bullied, and I knew what that felt like. And often, uh, you know, bruised or punched or, or, or different things, I experienced that. And I realized that I didn't like being punched. Now, that's just a setup for the story. Um, I faced, when, when facing the reality of getting physically hurt, I often just took the road of least punches right? The least hurt that you would get. I didn't want to get into this, a confrontation that would end up physically harming me. And this is what I'm leading to share. I was a youth pastor in Auburn. And um, in Auburn, where the church that I was a youth pastor in, uh, it was located in an area that there was lots of spiritual oppression, you could say. In fact, there was uh, uh, a person there that claimed, there was a self-proclaimed witch doctor of the tribe. And uh, he would frequent events at the church, come in. And I mean, uh, the whole Akuna Matata and everything, he had like the little staff and, you know, would do crazy things. And um, one day we're getting ready for a youth event. I forget what event it was, but we had students there in the lobby and we we're getting ready to go somewhere. And outside is, is Moki, the witch doctor. He's out there hanging out in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, we're going to have to like, go past him to get out of here. You know, you could just sense it, and you're just going, oh, such a, maybe we could go out the other side. You're, you're just, avoidance was the key. I said, hey, guys, don't open the doors. They're locked. You're fine in here. Uh, I need to go get the final registration stuff. I had to run up to my office and run back down. So I run up to my office, and I run back down, and who's in the lobby but the witch doctor? Moki's in the lobby, and I'm going, ah. Well, let me set the tone of this guy. We had had guests in town, and guests in town from, like, other countries that deal with spiritual warfare a lot more than we do here. And, like, one that was in town from Africa, he came in, and, and people would ask him, hey, when you fly into Seattle, do you feel the darkness? And they, would, they were a little too, like, hyper-aware of the evil people. Do you feel the darkness? And, you know, and he would go, he would say this, when I come into town, I don't feel the darkness the darkness feels me. <laughs> and you're going, yeah, that's, that's my boy. Anyway, when, we, when he was driving down Auburn Way to our church, where it was one time, he saw Moki. And, and he's, he looked at him, he goes, see that man? And we're like, yeah. He goes, that man have the demons. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does, right? But true story. So he's now in the lobby with some students. We're chilling. We're hanging out. 
And I walked up, and I was like, Moki, uh, hey, we're getting ready to leave. We, we need you to go. And, and all he could say in kind of a growly tone was, he kind of looked up at me. He's got his little thing. He goes, you are weak. Well, the Holy Spirit in me, Jesus, God, the Trinity, and me, I kind of, this is all I could come up with. I just kind of leaned in and I said, calmly, gentle answer turns away wrath, a harsh word stirs up anger, Proverbs 15.1, and I thought it applied in the moment. I just said, uh, we are strong. And just, you know, eye to, uh, we're eye to eye. And about that moment I realized the hand that wasn't holding the staff, so it's It was probably like this, if I remember. I looked at it. It was abnormally large, like bigger than my head. And it was starting to form a fist. Now, again, I've been punched. I know what this is about to feel like, and I'm not very excited. But now I've got students, and I have to lead them in standing firm, right, and being bold. So there's this pressure of, like, my flesh is weak, but yet I have a responsibility here and, and they need to be kept safe. And I'm just going, oh, no, right? And I remember placing, I should have learned with the barista, but I remember placing my hand on his shoulder. Anyway, and I said, Moki, we need to, and I got about that much out, I think. I was going to escort him to the door, right? I was just, uh, not a push, just a nice little gentle come-with-me hand. And I remember touching his shoulder and watching that fist just go, ah, right? Here's my face, here's this fist, right? It wasn't that big, but it seemed like it. Like those fake boxing gloves, you're like, this is going to break my skull. And it stops. I kid you not. He's sitting there going, And I didn't even have to touch him. He walked out the door, and I never saw him again. I was like, kids, I just need to go up and change my underwear. I'll be right back. (laughs) The spirit of flowing through me, you know? I was like, this is awkward, but um, we'll go to our trip in just a moment. It was crazy. God was amazing. Some angel probably with a black eye out there, you know. It's like, yeah, I was there that day. I remember that. That was brutal. That was a big hand. (laughs) We have that power to overcome so much through his power. You couldn't have done a thing to stop that guy's fist. I could have ducked. But anyway, I was just like, wow, I just watched that up close and like right in front of my face. God was faithful. And um, thought too. <laughs> Trust God will deliver you from evil. It's hard, easier said than done, honestly. But not just the evil of an attack or a fist coming at your face, but evil in the realm of temptation again, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 12 gives us a great promise. In verse 13, it says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He'll not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. He'll give you a way out. You will be tempted, 
But God is faithful and he'll show you a way out. You have to choose to take that way. But he'll show you a way out. You can endure. What did Jesus do when tempted? He prayed the scripture. He quoted scripture. And, and I would just imagine, you know, when he went into the desert for 40 days and nights to pray before his ministry on this planet, he prayed the scripture when tempted. That's why we need to regularly be reading our Bibles so that it can come to us in those moments. You know, we could have a Moki there with a clenched fish and we, fist and we could say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why? The Bible says so. We can, we can pray scripture. That's one thing that is so helpful to endure. But often the way out is through, you know, praying. And we just, have to, we just have to grasp, man, the way I'm going to get out is not in my own strength. My flesh is weak. I want to give in. But I need to start praying to get out of this. And we can overcome the weakness of our flesh and our spirit can take lead. It's pretty simple. Many times the fear of evil keeps us in a position of paralysis and yet there's not actually even an attack planned. We just don't take action because of our fear of an attack. We need to trust God. We need to trust his authority. We need to trust he'll deliver us from evil. Four years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Indonesia and pastor ICA Surabaya for 30 days. One of our first uh, strategic partners we'll share at the end of, of today was uh, ICA Surabaya and John and Corey Taylor, missionaries to Indonesia one of the most unreached countries on the planet. And while there, I had the opportunity to do a missions trip within a missions trip, which was to build a church in, uh, right on the equator in, in this place called Tabong Lahong in Borneo. Uh, the church that we ended up building, this is how much of it we did when we were finished. Um, I'm the skinny guy on the left Anyway, uh, the, uh, the, we put up that entire structure in the middle of nowhere uh, for a future church. And uh, while there, we, we had the task of doing ministry. Why do I share this? Well, on that site where that church was developed, this remote, remote, remote village, literally at the ends of the earth, um, the construction crew showed up one day before us. And Pac Eddie's the name of the like construction leader from the church, and he employs all these guys he's trying to reach. Like you've got Hindus and Muslims and animists, these people who don't have faith in Jesus. They've not accepted uh, Jesus as their Lord and Savior or chosen to follow him. They were, they were just like, man, you know, we're here for the work. And so he would hire them so, as a tool to share his faith with them. They were on the construction site measuring out where this was going to go up. And, and uh, they encountered the village god, if you would. It was this, this green goblinish thing that tried to intimidate them to leave. And Pacetti, and it was like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. And, and this floating torso green thing, I didn't see it, I wasn't there, left. And it freaked all the villagers out that whatever faith this guy had could make their god. God leave. They worshiped that green torso thing. 
Can't explain it. It's, it's just weird stuff in the jungle, right? And, uh, but people worshiped it. They, they would do in, they would offer their family members to this God. It was interesting. They would uh, create these graveyards where uh, they would carve images of their relatives. But in the boxes, they would put their, their family's head as an offering. And these are the people we were reaching out to. I was told that on the final day we were going to do a service and I was preaching. And um, it was going to be wild because the last service they did in a near a village right near here, people manifested as animals and started like coming against them during the service. So I was kind of honestly fearful. And I knew that I needed to go into this very prayerful because this place was weird. There's like a green goblin floating around. I'm like, what in the world, right? And so, uh, so I went into this service that uh, we had with just a bunch of people uh, in this little tiny room. And I was waiting for like the people to like jump on ropes and start climbing walls and getting all crazy. It never happened. There was no attack spiritually. Um, we just went into it prayerfully and, and claimed the area. The Lord protect us from the evil one. And we just pray over this space and in fact a bunch of these people had never heard the gospel and made a decision to follow Jesus that night with no like wacky moment and I was just like wow God you're amazing right he protects us he just came in there and like took over and this isn't the first time I was in a scenario like that and I was just like if we'll just trust him why are we so afraid why are we so afraid of stuff we can't see if we pray the truth, if we pray the scripture, if we claim that, you know, this area is yours, Lord. The work that's going to be done here is going to be mighty. Your mighty power is greater than any other power here, so we're not even going to mess with that stuff. It was amazing. I was very grateful. It was a powerful night. Thought three. Remember the war has been won. The war has been won. We still face battles, but the war... For our eternity, for our lives, Jesus got that victory by going to a cross and giving up his life. He shed his blood for our sins. He went to the grave, overcame death, hell, and the grave. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And now we have the promise that if we put our faith in Jesus, not only do we have access to his power at work through us in the face of evil, but we have this promise of eternal life. We celebrate that in the church through a thing we call communion. And that's going to be our response today in just a minute. We're going to have the chance to take a piece of bread and dip it in the grape juice, 100% grape juice. Leavened bread, sorry gluten-free people. Anyway, uh, but it's, and we're just going to dip it in the grape juice and as a as an emblem of his blood and his body. That's what its communion is. And we celebrate through communion the death on the cross and his shed blood. Why do we do that? Well, we do that because we know the war for our soul has been won. And we do that because evil still exists and we need to let the enemy know who we worship. It's twofold. But it's already and not yet. You know, I think of how we pray, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. What we're saying is it's going to come, but the devil's been defeated and destroyed. And when we're praying, we pray from a posture 
of victory. We know we win. But there's going to be battles. And so communion is a great moment for us to celebrate. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight for the true faith, holding tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Our action point today and for this series is simple. Pray. Could have made it tricky, but we figured that was pretty clear, right? Not a lot of wiggle room. Pray. Ephesians 6.18, right in the middle of the Ephesians 6 passages, it says this. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. So pretty inclusive. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Everywhere. Bonnie Lake, Sumner, the nation, the world. We need to be praying for people. Because our prayers accomplish incredible things. Our prayers are powerful and effective. That's why we've given you the little map on the back of your physical handout if you use that every week to where it kind of gives you the P-R-A-Y strategy of prayer for every day of the week that we, we need to praise, thank God for his power. It's him that does it. We give him the glory. Repent, Lord. You know, I'm confessing my sins. I'm weak. My body's weak. My spirit is strong. Ask, make requests to him and yield. Come into his will and his leading. And today I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer one more time. What he taught us. Pray like this. And, uh, and I'm closing prayer here, but we're going to have an opportunity to receive communion. You simply would... If, you, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus and invite Jesus into your life, which will give you that chance here in just a moment, then the Bible says you should do this regularly in remembrance of him. Take the bread, which is an emblem of his body, juice, which is a, an emblem of his blood, and, and receive that and take it. We won't make you hold it for all of us to receive it at once, but you can do that on your own worshipfully as the worship team worships here. So God, thank you for teaching us how to pray. Jesus, thank you for giving this lesson to the disciples. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins if we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't lead us, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. God, I thank you for over and over again rescuing me first and foremost in June of 1993 when you gave me that opportunity to invite Jesus into my life as my Lord and Savior. And I pray if there's someone here today that is yet to make that choice, they've yet to say, you know, this is the day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the power within my world to be not about me and be about God. And if that's someone today and, and they need to choose to follow Jesus, then may they simply pray this with me. Jesus, come into my life. I choose to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And as they speak that prayer out, as they pray that to you, God, may you begin to give them the victory upon victory that your word promises. Because in the day of temptation and attack, your power is what we need on our side, not our own strength. We're weak. 
And God, for the rest of us in here, I pray that, Lord, we would have an emphasis on your power and authority in our life. And that when we're tempted or when we're in a, a position of compromise or attack and the enemies come and it's our day, we'll find our comfort and peace in you. We'll place our hope in you. And that's what we're doing today as we celebrate communion. We're saying, you're my Lord and Savior. It's your body and your blood that makes the difference in my world. We thank you for this opportunity to receive communion. In Jesus' name, amen.